Welcome to another podcast by InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC sports. Your home for Tar Heel football, basketball, and recruiting. I'm your host, Tommy Ashley. I'm joined by Dewey Burke. Earlier today, Dewey Burke was questionable and a game-time decision. He has made it through, fought through the sickness and has joined me. And Dewey, it's been a while, man. Glad to have you on. Yeah, I wish I felt better, and I wish Carolina was playing a little better. But uh, here we are, and we'll uh, we'll break it down. So the last time we talked was after the Clemson win in Chapel Hill. Uh, you were about on your way to see Georgia Tech and Carolina in the Smith Center. Carolina won that game, but after that, it's been struggle after struggle in pretty similar ball games, really. Um, if you look at them holistically. At Virginia Tech, North Carolina State, and Smith Center in overtime, and at Clemson. Let's kind of start with the Clemson game a little bit. I'll tell you, as Sherelle and I were planning on doing the post-game podcast, at halftime, um, it was not going to be a good one. But then the way Carolina fought back without Pinson, does that give you some sort of glimmer that this team can pull out of this slump that they're going through? Definitely. It definitely does. And look, it's really hard to win on the road in this conference. It's really hard to win at home or on the road in this conference when somebody makes 15 threes against you and shoots 50%. And despite that, we tied the game at 74. And we could talk about those last couple of possessions when we get into it. But without question, I mean, it would have been way more concerning if we never even gave ourselves a chance, if we didn't fight. But Obviously, Joel Berry was absolutely terrific in the second half. So was, so was Cam. That's the Cam that we all hoped we would have. Maybe not getting 30, but at least being a little bit more aggressive, hunting his shot. And those two guys carried us to come all the way back and tie that game. And it just was a, a little too late. Uh, or, you know, we had to fight so hard to get back into the game that our margin for error was so little. And then we made a couple mistakes defensively. And uh, after tying it at 74, got quickly right back down five. And now we can talk about those possessions. But I would say absolutely. I mean, if we had just folded, which I would never expect a team with Joel Berry on it to do, then you're a lot more concerned today than than I think I am, given the way we fought. So just have to, you just have to fight. And we did. And we didn't get the win. And it doesn't feel any better if you're a player. And there was still a terrible locker room, I'm sure, and a terrible ride home. But at least you fought. At least you gave it what you had and, and got back in it. Yeah, I thought Barry against NC State really looked worn out. And I saw something, and maybe it's just reading into something, but I believe it was Marquel Johnson that was up in his face, clearly you know, talking junk a little bit. And Barry just had nothing for him in that ball game. But then the way he came out in the second half speaks a lot of the senior. I mean, we can talk about why he's having to play more minutes. It's not really necessary. But the fact of the matter is, while his actual minutes per game may not be significantly different, do we talk about the the level of stress and you know, pressure that a kid like that goes through being in his position on this team this season? Well, he, last year he was in a starting lineup with three McDonald's All-Americans. And – another one off the bench. And this year it's decidedly different, right? I mean, it's 
we had three legitimate NBA or fringe NBA bigs that he played with last year, and we had the ACC Player of the Year and the lottery pick. And so when you lose all of that, and it's your team and you're the leader, and you have young bigs, you're going to feel the burden and the weight of having to try to carry your team. And I think you're right about the state game and even some games before that, he's looked exhausted to me. And it's interesting. There's been a lot of coverage and Jay Billis loves to say this. And he said it last night, like, oh, Joe Barry is just, he's the consummate worker. He he goes to shoot around early and gets up extra shots for an hour. And he works after practice, before practice. There is such a thing as overworking, and he cares so much and wants to do so well, so badly for our team that I almost worry that he might be overworking. Um, He's playing so many minutes. The mental strain is at a completely different level than he's ever experienced because of how much responsibility he has for our success. So if he doesn't play well, we can't win. And that is not what he has had in the first three years of his career. So... It's a lot. It's a lot on him. And obviously, Jalik hasn't been the backup that we all thought he would be. So, you know, a lot of times at at the opening tip, he's staring down the barrel of, I might have to play 40 minutes and I got to figure out a way to get 25 and eight assists. And and that's how we can win is I have to do that. And that's a lot to ask. It really is, especially for a, a guy that, if we're being truthful, is undersized and, you know, is a is a very good scoring point guard, but is not always been the greatest at creating his own, right? He, he makes a lot of catch and shoot threes and, and, uh, and, you know, scores off of our flow of our offense, but the exception to last night on some of those pick and rolls and getting to the rim and, and being more explosive, he really, he gets his, his buckets in the flow, not, not just breaking guys down. So it's a lot. It really is. And then he's got a guard and play defense too. It's, it's, it's almost too much to ask. Yeah. And with all that, he takes a beating. I mean, he hits the floor more than any Carolina player um, and more than any Carolina player I can remember in a while. And you could see some of those drives, you know, I'm not sure how he doesn't get a call or two there on those drives, but he ends up on his back or ends up face down. I mean, the kid is doing everything he can for this North Carolina team. Let's look at the Clemson game because I think it was pretty much a microcosm of the year um, thus far. The first half, they just look awful and listless. I've used that term a few times, too many this year probably. Theo goes down right away, um, and then you're in the situation where they could have folded, and it looked like they might especially when Clemson hit the three going into half. Um, But what changed? I want to break it down in a couple different ways. What changed? Well, clearly mentally something changed. Those guys, whether it was a locker room speech from Coach Williams or they just refused to to let it go and, and let that game just slide away peacefully. Your thoughts on that side of it, first half, second half? Yeah, I mean, one of my conclusions on the game as a whole and the first half specifically is, yes, we are overhelping off of three-point shooters and giving teams a lot of open looks. But they're also making them almost all, it feels like, and they're also making tough ones. The state game, same thing. They made a lot of open threes, but they also made the tough ones. And 
one of the amazing stats I think from last night is right after the game without looking at the box score if I had told you that we shot six percentage points higher than them on overall field goal percentage would you have believed me no no way yep no way but we shot 45 percent for the game they shot 39 but they made so many threes early that it kind of skews that stat and, and the way you look at it and I just have to think thinking about these last really these last three games that it's going to regress back to the mean. Teams cannot continue to shoot the lights out from three against us. Uh, because if they do, we're not going to win any. Uh, I just I just don't see that continuing. I think it's a tough little stretch for us where, like I said, we are overhelping and making some mistakes defensively. But they're also just making everything. And it has to, it has to regress to the mean. So that, that's my first part of the answer. Second part. Uh, you were asking what changed uh, in the second half. I thought our rotations were a little bit crisper. We're a little more aggressive defensively. We had better ball pressure, so they couldn't just move the ball around the way they wanted. Uh, and then offensively, we had two guys just decide that they were going to hunt their own and, and try to will us back into the game by making shots. And you saw Cam be the most aggressive he's ever been. Uh, he, he took some really tough shots, contested shots, but made some of those. And when you're a great shooter and your technique is sound like him, if you get the ball off in rhythm, like we've talked about, you're going to make them, even if they're contested and they're tough. Uh, so he was far and away hunting his shot more than he ever has. And then Joel did what he's done often the last three years, which is will us to victory by finding a way to get the ball in the basket. So uh, I know he didn't win, but it was because of those guys hunting their own and uh, and deciding that they were going to be the aggressors offensively that got us back in the game. So Carolina fights back, and I don't think people understand. I know we talk about it a lot. If you have to come back from that far down, I mean, the energy it takes to get back in it, um, you know, it's just as easy to fall apart and lose again as it is to to pull it out. So Carolina gets to 74 all. And then Reed hits a wide open three. Just break down that play a little bit. Maybe yeah. a moving screen, probably was, but probably was. But you're not going to get that call on the road. And that the big was setting those screens like that all day. The the real issue, to be frank, and it's hard to call a kid out who does everything you could ever ask for. But Kenny made a major defensive error on that play. And and what's frustrating or difficult for the coaching staff when they go watch that tape is. We have a specific defensive station where we practice chasing guys off of screens. And the rule is stay low and on his outside hip. And you just chase him around and be there on the catch. That's the rule. If you're getting run off baseline screens or down screens, as long as you're there on the catch and they can't just receive the ball and shoot, you've done your job. Well, Kenny took a very poor path, tried to go over top of the screen, which coincided exactly with when he flared off of it. So you got caught and pinned, and there was nobody within 10 feet of the shooter. And at that part of the game, for us to have fought all the way back, made so many great and big-time shots to get all the way to tied to make what truthfully is a simple defensive uh, play and and mess it up uh, to give an open look was was devastating. Uh, I'm sitting there watching it, and I'm screaming at the TV, bad path, Kenny, bad path because we drill the hell out of it. and uh, But, you know, probably fatigued, 
for as much effort as we put in to get back in the game and make some mental error that gives them a wide open three. So they make that. We come down. Now Cam had made a bunch of tough shots, so he probably earned the right to take the shot he took on that possession. It wasn't a great shot. Didn't make it. Then they have the ball. They get an offensive rebound, and then they run the shot clock down, and then Kenny allows a direct drive to the basket, almost uncontested. We have to help off the big. They dump it off. He makes a reverse layup, and now you're down five, and the game's essentially over. So, again, difficult to to put it all on Kenny because that's not what it is. But on those two defensive possessions, he broke a couple of the very simple defensive principles, one related to chasing screens and one related to guard the ball, which is don't allow direct drive. And he let both of those things happen. And consequently, they got a little 5-0 run, and that's all they needed to close us out. Yep. College players will make you pay when you make mistakes on simple plays, and that's what happened at the end. It, it's a shame that that group came all the way back and then that happened. Um, let's look forward just a little bit. Carolina's 5-5 five and five in the conference. Uh, it's, it's about as tough as it can be in the ACC coming up. Pittsburgh is not very good, but if Pittsburgh gets hot, like these teams have in the past, you never know what's going to happen there. So mindset of your team, if you're the coach, and you know Roy Williams plenty, how do you keep them focused one game at a time, or is it easier now to get them back into that? You know, this is – we cannot take a day off at all. You can't take a minute off, a half off. Where are they going into Pittsburgh? Yeah, I mean, look, plenty of teachable moments from these last three games and, and things that he can coach them up on. I think if you're, you know, seeking the positives out of it, you're pulling Cam to the side and saying, hey, Cam, this is who we need you to be. You can't shoot it enough. And I have felt this way for a long time, even when we had two traditional bigs, that we've had good enough shooters in the past couple of years, Joel, Marcus, Justin, that they couldn't shoot it enough for me. And Cam is that type of a guy that I would think in some way a message goes to him, this is who we need you to be. So let's sit down and watch some of this Clemson second half together and figure out how we can get this Cam every game going forward, hunting your own shot, being more aggressive, putting the ball off the bounce for mid-range jumpers, et cetera, because we need a third scorer. We just we haven't been able to have a consistent third scorer. It's felt like Joel and Luke have have gotten theirs most games this year. And then if Kenny had a good enough game, then we probably won. Or if Theo had a good enough game scoring the ball, then we won. Or, or you know, Cam here and there. We need that third scorer. So I hope that that messaging in a positive way can go to Cam. And the other thing that's kind of interesting is you got to figure those pit guys are going to be pretty fired up to play against the guy who left them. And uh, that's an interesting dynamic coming into this weekend. Uh, and then if I was Kevin Stallings, I would I would speak to a little bit and say, hey, there's a guy playing on the other side that used to be your brother that decided he didn't want to be anymore. And uh, so I think that's an interesting dynamic for, for this game. And, you know, we just got to find a way that the line is thin for us, the way we play, because we shoot so much from the outside and we don't have our traditional bigs and pound the ball inside and kill people on the glass as much as we typically do and get to the free throw line and, and just overpower and wear teams down. That's just not who we are. So we got to be tough enough to make shots and we got to guard a little better and, and hope, like I said, that these teams regress to the mean and stop shooting the ball so damn well against us. Absolutely. I'm going to take a short break. We'll come back. I'm going to ask you about uh, maybe tweaks to the lineup and your thoughts on that, but we'll be right back after this message. 
Dewey, we've talked about small ball lineup, and Coach Williams went to that several games ago, and it's paid dividends at times. Um, but I'm not sure Carolina's really shot the ball well enough consistently uh, over the stretch to really be, at least for me, watching all in on the small lineup. Clearly, you get your best five out there, and that's a good thing. Uh, but in this lineup, it leaves very little coming off the bench. Uh, Sterling Manley, Garrison Brooks have played well, but they're not going to give you a lot of scoring. So my question is this, any chance that Coach Williams goes back to a traditional lineup, May at the four and Brooks at the five, or do you think they just ride it as it is um, and play it game to game? Like, like we've talked about, they need that third score each game. It can't be Barry and Johnson one game. Uh, May and Barry the next game, Pinson and Barry one game. Um, but your thoughts on that? It, you know, Sherrell talked about how he can't ever remember Roy Williams making two significant lineup changes in the same season. And quite frankly, I can't either. But your thoughts on it? I tend to agree with Sherrell. I mean, he when he's made lineup changes, it's usually once a year. I mean, I think back to my junior year when he made the decision to bring Marcus off the bench and start Wes. And obviously the year that he put PJ at the four um, and a couple other times. And it's, you know, it's been once and he's already done that this year. So my sense is that he sticks with this lineup, but as you saw last night, maybe he'll look to play Sterling and Garrison together more often than he has because Really, up until last night, I can hardly recall those two being on the floor at the same time. It was always one of them with Luke uh, or one of them with Theo at the four. And he gave them a, a pretty decent stretch together last night. So that, I think, is part of an adjustment he's making and saying, I'm going to try these two freshman bigs together, and they're going to struggle at times, and, and hopefully they give us positive impact at times, like Sterling did specifically in the second half. So... My answer is, uh, my sense is he doesn't change it. He he sticks with the starting lineup he's had, provided everybody's healthy, uh, and play those bigs a little bit more minutes. Uh, I just think when you're small and you're playing a bunch of shooters, everybody except for Theo, really, then if you're playing shooters, the shooters got to make shots. I mean, it's just, I don't know how else to put it. And the state game is a perfect example of that. You know, somehow we scored 90-some points or whatever the score was, and we shot the ball terribly from the perimeter. We make a reasonable amount of shots. That game's a breeze. So we've got guys that are good shooters and a couple guys that are great shooters. They got to play like it. They've got to they've got to do their part. And coach says it a lot: be tough enough to step up and make the shot, uh, not just take it. So that's all we can hope for: is that we we shoot the ball better because we're going to keep shooting twenty five, thirty threes. I think that's going to be consistent the rest of the year. So we got to make them. We got to make double-digit threes every game, I think, to to win in this conference. It's interesting looking at Manley and Garrison Brooks, their stats. Uh, Manley's 48 for 85 from the field. Brooks, 48 for 84. Um, so pretty pretty similar production there, but you're right. I thought it looked pretty good, and I thought Carolina played well as a team with them both out on the court. Switching over to the the Pinson factor, you know, everybody talked about with the news about Felton came out, who's going to be Barry's backup at point guard. And 
if my, unless my eyes deceive me, it, maybe not last night because he was out, but against Virginia Tech and State, I felt like Pinson was playing an awful lot of point guard with Barry out there. What did you see? I agree with you, and I, and I think that's the no question who the backup point guard will be going forward, and that was, I'm sure, the plan last night, except obviously he got hurt two minutes into the game. So he is our most gifted passer, and he's got size to see over the defense a lot. So that's what I think we'll see. Uh, I'd love to find a way to have Joel's minutes be 32 instead of 37, but I just don't think we can afford to not have him on the floor uh, for what he brings from a leadership perspective, toughness, shooting, and getting us into our sets. He just can't play without the guy. So Theo probably plays three to five minutes uh, at the point each game from here on out. And uh, I think he put, he did have Playtech run the point for about two or three possessions. And actually had they not called an offensive foul on Sterling, he would have, Drilled that three from the top of the key, which has been a great boost for him. But uh, unfortunately, they made the call. So that's what I think it has to be. And uh, we've had a couple times during Theo's career where he's had to play a little point. So he's capable. It's, you know, it's not what you'd call traditional. Somebody who's at times playing the four, now all of a sudden is playing the point for you. But uh, without Jalik and without a bona fide backup, give the ball to your other senior. That's what I would do. Yeah, I saw a stat on Twitter or something, and like I said, I thought he's been playing point guard anyway uh, at times, but they said if if Pinson gets five minutes at point, I guess with Barry down or on the bench, he will have played at least five minutes at every position on the floor at some point in his career. That's a pretty incredible stat for the senior, but it, it just shows to how the game has changed too, really, but. Given Carolina's situation, this last question before I let you go, and I appreciate you toughing this one out. Uh, Carolina's in a situation where they're going to have to find a way to win three, to get three or four, maybe five wins if you count ACC tournament from here on out to make the NCAA tournament. Does Roy Williams think about that on a day-to-day basis, or is it just strictly game-to-game? Definitely game-to-game, and and that's a tough one for me to answer, if only because when I was playing – there was never that concern, right? So that, that one's a hard one just because I, I try to answer most of these questions from experience. And while I was playing, there was there was never, never a concern about whether or not we were going to make the tournament. You know, we were never 500 in the conference, except for, you know, very, very early, one and one or two and two or something like that. So, uh, you know, he's a crazy competitive guy and all he's thinking about is the next game. And, and that's how he trains us. So, that's what I would expect is just, uh, you know, the biggest game on your schedule is the next game, and that's that. So we got to take care of business with Pitt and then get ready for the Duke game, which will be, as always, an incredible atmosphere. And uh, if our guys can rise to the occasion and, and somehow get that one uh, against the, arguably the most talented team, team in the country, then we're right where we need to be. We're in a good spot. So losing three in a row – has been tough. Uh, two of the games were on the road, and winning on the road is difficult when you've got young guys playing meaningful minutes and not shooting the ball great. They no question should have won the game at home. They probably should have won the game last night after we fought all the way back, but we didn't. So we've made it a little bit tougher hill to climb. And But the good news is our leader is as tough as they come, and if our guys can follow his lead and we can make some shots, we'll be fine. And hopefully Theo's healthy enough to play. It sounds like he is. Sounds like we might get seventh back, which would be really nice to to give Joel those critical rest minutes. And uh, 
we just got to fight. But, you know, as long as we play hard enough, then to me it just comes down to can we make enough shots? Because if we play hard and don't shoot well, we can't win. So it's got to be both. We, you know, we're not talented enough to win by effort. We've got to play hard and make shots. Uh, so that's the challenge. Good stuff, Dewey. I appreciate you taking time to join me tonight. Carolina and Pittsburgh this weekend, and then Duke next, what, February 8th. Hard to believe Thursday. it's already time for that. Yep. So nine games left in the regular season for North Carolina. Dewey, man, it's always a pleasure. Appreciate it. Thanks, time. Talk soon. Thanks for listening to InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC sports. Your home for Tar Heel football, basketball, and recruiting.